If it goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight, it's a miracle. This is Out of Bounds. If it's happening in the world of golf, we're talking about it. Coverage, debate, discussion, pro golf and local golf. Let's do it. This is Out of Bounds. And here are your hosts, Nate Sharman and Josh Derso. All right, welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast. Josh Durso and Nate Sharman here looking ahead to the Tour Championship after an incredible weekend in Chicago at the BMW. Nate, talk about exciting. Uh, you got one player absolutely lighting it up and then the world number one player kind of falling apart at the end. What a, what a Sunday. Well, yeah, what a Sunday is right. An absolutely star-studded leaderboard, right? Going into Sunday at the BMW Championship. It looked like Scotty Shuffler... Could not necessarily be in cruise control because he did make a lot of birdies, you know, up until the end of that round with, with Fitzpatrick really battling close to him. And then Hovland lights the world on fire, shoots 28 on the back nine, wins the event, um, vaults himself up the number two in the FedEx Cup standings going in this last week. But what a back nine from the Norwegian star. Just an unbelievable display of golf. I think he hit nine of nine greens, seven of eight fairways, just ball strike his way around that back nine, knocked in some some good putts too as well to uh, gain another victory on tour this season. What a wound. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that 28 on the back breaks the course record 61, uh, just super impressive performance all the way around. And it was interesting. They mentioned it on the broadcast, but um, watching uh, Scotty come in that final group, just kind of deflated the energy when Hovland walked off the golf course after he made that, after he buried that last putt on 18, yep. the energy was gone. Like there was no energy left uh, on the golf course at all. Um, and obviously uh, poorly timed bogey there on 17 pretty much took Scheffler out of contention. Um, but again, great event, great weekend. I think that is if if we're going to create a, a stereotype or uh, the poster leaderboard instead of poster child for what the PGA Tour wanted out of a playoff event, Sunday leaderboard, that's the one. Right. I mean, you have Hovland winning, Scheffler and Fitzpatrick in that final group battling it out. And then you have Homa, Harmons, Shawfley, Sanjay M was around. You had just yeah. uh, just a star-studded leaderboard, Russell Henley, too, who's played well all year. You know, you have just these unbelievable players, you know, in this in this second-to-last PGA Tour event. Like you said, Josh, just an amazing um, outcome for the PGA Tour. I was a little bit sad, and I'm still a little bit hurt holding that Scotty Scheffler 10-to-1 ticket thinking I could get it back to the, to the window, but my other bets hit for the week. So that was good, but still was a little bit sad watching Scotty Scheffler come down, but I love watching Victor Hovland and what a round from him. And it's even better for the Ryder cup coming up here too. He's showing his powers too, as some of these Euro golfers have been playing really well too. So uh, just good stuff all around for the PGA tour this week in uh, Chicago. Absolutely. And a, uh, a nine year streak came to an end long before the final round. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama withdrew uh, prior to the start of round two because of a back injury. It had been nine straight years that he had made the tour championship. Wow. That crazy. Like that, that I didn't even, when I saw that from PJ tour comms, uh, they tweeted it out late, uh, early Friday or late Thursday. I was, I could not believe it, but also he has been one of the most consistent golfers over the last decade. So not a, not a huge surprise. Yeah, I think Sun Jam's got a pretty good streak going too now. I'm not sure who the longest active streak is now, but Sanjay, since he's got on the PGA Tour, he's been in the Tour Championship every single year, uh, which yeah. is pretty pretty darn cool to see. And then we've got some uh, playoff positioning notes. Who were the 
uh, last four in and first four out. So a lot of drama on Sunday, um, and it really was interesting when it came down almost to that final putt from Hovland. But um, the first four in, or last four in, excuse me, Miliano Grillo, Tyrell Hatton, Jordan Spieth, and Sepp Strzok are in. That kicks out Sahith Thagala, Chris Kirk, Danny McCarthy, and Justin Rose. Uh, one thing that kind of screams to me is a lot of these guys like like Hatton, Spieth, even Grillo a little bit too, are kind of journeymen on the tour. You know, have won a lot. This have won a lot in their career. Emiliano Grillo's won this year. Jordan Spieth is Jordan Spieth, right? They kind of get in, and some of these new crop of guys like Sahitha Gala and Denny McCarthy get kind of kicked out. So that's a little bit sad in, in the golf nerd sense in my mind because I like watching some of these young players, especially too. But um, they'll certainly have their chances here in the next few years as uh, Denny McCarthy and Sahitha Gala played very well on tour this year. Yeah, and I also, you know, out of those eight guys that you mentioned, I, I think the one I was most happy to see get in was Sepp Straka, just because of of how far he had come, and yes. obviously he's he's going to be on this Ryder Cup team, the Euro Ryder Cup team, um, not in by technicality of points, but he's a dead lock for for their team just because of yeah. how well he's played. Um, so I was I was really happy to see him because he was hovering. You know, you talk about heading into the weekend, he was kind of in that like. 30 to 32 range where like a couple bad holes, frankly, for any of those guys who are in that, that area would have meant season over done. So good to yeah, see. Yeah, I think Straka didn't do himself any favors. I know he missed a relatively short putt on Saturday to kick himself out, but there's just so much jockeying for position on Sunday. I, I think the, the broadcast did a really nice job of kind of displaying where guys were, you know, and, and kind of talking about, well, if he makes this eight footer, if another guy makes this eight footer, it kicks this person out or it kicks this person into and kind of showing the players as well, too. They had a, a camera on Terrell Hatton, which is always a good thing, you know, kind of showing what's going to happen with him in on the last few holes, too. So uh, hats off to uh, the CBS crew that I think they did a nice job kind of displaying who's going to make it to East Lake next week. Yeah, they did. But uh, you brought up a good point on Sunday while we were watching. We weren't watching in the same place, but um, there were definitely some gaps in who we were seeing play. Um, you, you texted me, I think it was like kind of around, oh, it must've been halfway through the, the final groups there, their last nine or last 18, uh, saying that you hadn't seen Homa and yeah, it was the next Homa and Brian Harmon group. They were par in the death out of the course. So I, I I kind of shows why they wouldn't show them, but it is kind of funny to kind of laugh at that part of thing. I don't think it was too egregious. It was egregious that we didn't see them at all really until they're, you know, I think there was like the the par five, the 16th hole where we finally got to see them a little bit, but, um, I don't really blame them too, especially with how well Victor Hovland started to play on the back nine. You have to have every single Victor Hovland shot on TV, right? You can't miss a single oh, yeah. shot from him. Yeah. Scotty Scheffler too, as well. And Fitzpatrick too, battling for the lead. So I don't think it's necessarily a gripe for me. I, I just kind of thought it was funny. Yeah, it's interesting. I would like, I, I guess that's one thing that I've never really thought about before, but I'd be curious what the numbers are. Like how many shots can they conceivably show in like 30 minutes or in an hour? I don't know there's going to be rules for that. I don't else. have it off the top of my head. They have to get their sponsors, you know, kind yeah. of but that's, in there too I mean, as well. I, I think that would help people kind of understand why you sometimes will see like a group that's only like two or three back from that final group. You won't see them that much on TV if they're not like making a move because they're probably there's, you know, finite number of slots where you can show shots during an hour because you do have your sponsor obligations. You do have commercials. You do have to show your leaders and, you know, the guys that, just kind of fire it up and start playing like Victor Hovland did on Sunday. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was passively watching, but I didn't really have a problem. I just kind of thought it was funny with, with Homa and, um, and Homa and Harmon not being shown much at all, but, you know, looking back at their scorecards and kind of showing how their rounds went on Sundays, Sunday, I don't really blame them for not showing them that much. Yeah. 
And now we move forward to the tour championship at East Lake down in Georgia. Um, talk to me. Who do you have to win it all this weekend? Oh, I want Chef. I th- I want to just pick Scheffler. I think he, you know, he's too good right now, playing too well to, to win. But I just want to have a little bit more fun, a little bit more chaos. Rory, I think Rory gets it done again. You know, he came back last week, last year from down six. This year he starts down four. So why not? You know, in a year where Rory McIlroy has been in the headlines for a lot of reasons, not available to golf, you know, whether they be him withdrawing from a couple different tournaments and seeking fines or the live PGA stuff, you know, Rory's been, you know, on the mic a lot and, and starting to play better golf here this last second half of the season. So I would love to see Rory come out like the world on fire and, and show why this year a Ryder Cup team isn't, uh, I don't think uh, be counted out in this uh, Ryder Cup coming up. If you want chaos, then you need to be rooting for Lucas Glover. He that would be cool five, too. He starts five under, five back. If he somehow found a way to pull this off, it would be the wildest turn of events ever. I'll tell you what, opinion. he's on the Ryder Cup team if he does. Oh my God, he has to be. He has to be. I think he already has to be. We'll get into that later, but like he would absolutely have to be. Um, my pick for this weekend is Scotty Scheffler. I know, boring, boo me for picking the most boring golfer you could possibly pick. He hasn't gotten it done, but I think this is the weekend he'll get it done. Um, I think back to last year, he shot 73 in that final round. He kind of just fell apart. Um, for some context, he's shot 73 or worse only seven times out of 88 rounds this season. Like he has, obviously, he's been scoring average leader throughout the season this year. So he's played super consistently. He leads strokes gained in virtually every category there is. Um, I don't see him shooting a final round 73 or 74. I don't see him shooting more than 71 at any point this week. So if he just goes out and shoots his average 68, 69, 67, round one, two, and three, I think in the final round, he'll be able to put it in cruise control and uh, put this thing away. And in my opinion, shut up all the talking heads and people who I've been listening to talk to over the last few days about player of the year. And how someone other than Scheffler is player of the year, which is just the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't care that he didn't win a May. I don't care that he he's only won twice or, or whatever the case may be. He has played the most consistent golf we've seen since Tiger Woods, period. So Yeah, I would agree with that, Josh. I, I think he just I think he puts an exclamation point on season right here, shuts everybody up, gets a win. Um, you know, he doesn't have to be the best putter this weekend. He just needs to be an average putter. And I think this will be the weekend he does. He just isn't an average putter, Josh. I mean, it's just, that's really the the kind of the name of the game with this now. I mean, he was in the bottom half of the BMW strokes game putting yep. in which it was, it was just, it's just wild. He's continuously on the top of the leaderboard, whether he's not, whether, you know, he's not winning all the time, of course, but he's continuously on the top, uh, top five, top 10 of the leaderboard, top 12 for most of the season. And he's, he's bottom half in putting every single week. And um, he's done these putting changes and talked a lot about it and nothing's just happened. Josh, did you see the Justin Ray tweet about Scotty and how he can catch a, a Tiger Woods statistic this week? Yeah, with greens. He needs 62 greens in regulation hit this week to touch to touch Tiger as the only player to hit 75% of their greens in regulation for a season. Now, Josh, let me just put in some context. His career high is 61 in a PGA Tour tournament. So it's unlikely that he gets it done and, and hits that Tiger record. I think this just goes to show how a nuclear Tiger Woods was back during his prime. 75% of your fairways during a PGA Tour season is just ludicrous. Knowing what we know about his putting, 
if he does get 62 greens, he wins, right? Yeah, I don't think I think if you had 62 greens and in, in, out of it, uh, 62 greens in their PGA Tour tournament, I don't think it's hard to lose. You know, <laughs> I think you have to be the worst putter of the, the 30 players and maybe you still even win. Yeah. Um. So let's talk a little bit about Ryder Cup, because that seems to be the thing that's getting a lot of buzz, a lot of traction. Um. Of course, things on paper, I think, are supposed to be settled out now. Right. Like we're yeah, supposed the top to be six done. Is cemented. Yep. So you so, have Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schauffele, and Max Homa as your uh, top six. That'll be heading to Rome here. In all right. Month. So who do you have as your other six? Well, who do you see as like your other six guys? If you had to pick, having seen what we've seen now, we have three playoff events. I don't think the tour championship should really count or should matter. I think we should be able to make a decision at this point. Um Obviously, Captain Zach Johnson probably going to watch what happens this weekend and maybe make some picks based on that. But what what are your what are your thoughts here? So I think the the big thing that comes out of my mind is coming out of the top six this week was Brooks Kepka. He's been there all year since he's won in Rochester, right? He's been yeah. in that top six in the Ryder Cup. He gets kicked out, just hasn't played enough events. That doesn't play in any PGA Tour events. Obviously, only played in the majors this year. So I think he's an absolute lock. I think you need to get your head examined if you don't think Brooks Kepka is on the U.S. Ryder Cup team. So uh, he's my seventh guy. And then looking at the rest of my team, I got Spieth, Bradley, Fowler are my definites. And then the last two spots, I think, can be talked about. And Josh, I think you have a little bit to say, difference to say about this. But in these last two spots, in my mind, you're looking at Colin Morikawa, Cameron Young, Justin Thomas, Lucas Glover, um, Bryson DeChambeau. I think those are your five players that you're looking at in terms of getting on those last two spots. And um, Eileen Morikawa and Cameron Young. And I know we know we've talked a lot about Lucas Glover and how well he's played. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion about Bryson DeChambeau getting on this Ryder Cup team, especially with that 58 at the Greenbrier. So um, I think those are my two guys, Morikawa and Young. Cameron Young has played well enough to get on this Ryder Cup team and become another rookie to be on this team. Yeah, you know what? I think part of my issue at this point is with the Keegan pick. Um, obviously he win he won the travelers, which was fairly recently, but before that he hadn't won anything. You have to go all the way back to the Zozo last year in October, um, for that, that second victory in this quote unquote season. Um, and it's pretty much because of that, that I just can't get behind him as a pick. Like Kepka is an automatic. I agree with you. I think if you're, if Kepka is not on your team, you're, you're a crazy person, um, and you're just letting the political back and forth of of how you feel about live and PIF um, cloud your your vision on on who is truly among the best twelve golfers that t- the USA team could put forward. Uh, Jordan Spieth, he's a de facto captain. I know he's not technically like obviously he's not a captain, but um, he is that well enough. Yeah, and he's that leader that the team needs. Um, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler. They're also, I would say, two guys that are quote unquote automatic because of what they bring to the table. And then this is where you and I definitely differ. Um, you know, I think Lucas Glover, because of how he's played lately, and Cam Young, because of where he sits in the standings, the Ryder Cup standings, <laughs> you know, he's number nine. I know that's not technically an automatic bid, but, you know, why have a point system, right? Like you've said this a million times. Why have a point system if you're not going to, you know, at least can consider the guys that are inside the top 10. Um, But I just don't know how you can't take Lucas Glover 
with how well he's played. And he played well this past weekend too. It's not like he played poorly, like he had a solid finish. Um, and, you know, if he plays well this weekend, I think it just adds to it. You know, just imagine, say he doesn't win, but say he finishes like top two or top three. How could we, how could Team USA not have Lucas Glover on it when he won the final regular season event, first playoff event, played well in the BMW, and then has a top five or top three finish in the tour championship? Like, how can he not be on the Ryder Cup team? Josh, I think you're right. You know, I don't I don't think Lucas Glover, I think it's just a really hard spot. And, you know, Bryson DeChambeau throws a wrench into it too, right? With how well he's played over on the live tour and played decent in the majors too as well. I just, I don't, I just, I can't figure out how they would take, not take Lucas Glover, you know, and I didn't have him on my team, right? I went with Cameron Young instead. I kind of like thinking that Zach Johnson will go a little bit more in terms of youngness with Cameron Young, not to be too uh, literal there, but kind of take the younger player, you know, get him some more exposure on this Ryder Cup team and keep moving forward too. But I I don't really have a good argument for you why you would take Cameron Young over Lucas Glover uh, besides that. Yeah, and you know, there's another kind of like side debate here. A lot of a lot of talk about well, who's Brooke gonna who who would Brooke, uh, who would Brooks play with if he was on this team? And and I say that if sort of off you know tongue in cheek, he's going to be on the team. But who do you pair him with? And if you have one spot left where it's truly a toss up, do you take a live guy or do you take a PGA Tour guy to? kind of benefit or give Brooks someone to play with? Um, I don't think you need to take a live guy just to play with Brooks. That I don't think there's really much beef in terms of the players, you know, whether they be on the live tour or on the PGA tour. I think you're only the really Cantley and Shawfly are going to play together most of the time. They've been really electric in Ryder Cups too. Yeah. You know, if JT's on the team, he plays with Spieth, but um, JT's probably not going to be on the team. I don't think, yeah. but um, I don't think you need to take a live guy just in the sake of playing with Brooks Kepka. I think it was Wyndham Clark who said he would love to play with Brooks Kepka. I, I think most of these guys are going to say the same exact thing because Brooks Kepka is an incredible talent, a really good putter when it matters. We saw that, you know, in Rochester at Oak Hill. So I don't think that uh, you need to take a live guy in that fact. But I do think Bryson DeChambeau has played well enough to have an argument to be on this Ryder Cup team. Yeah, I mean, I as I was going through this, I think my hot take would be of the whole season would be that I would rather have Bryson DeChambeau on my team than Cam Young. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's played better recently. You know, he, he's been around this, around playing these good golf team events too, as well uh, as Bryson DeChambeau. So I, I don't think your take is that is super warm. I think a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I, and also I just think about, you know, the energy that he would bring to the table. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, I think the big, for people who have observed Bryson DeChambeau, the, the person over the last two years, there's been a big shift. Like he is not the same person that he was a couple, three years ago. Um, his demeanor is a lot different. He's uh, he seems to be enjoying him sort himself more on the golf course. Uh, he's more kind of a he's at least talking more like a team guy now than he ever has before. So, you know, I just think he would bring more to the team than a guy like Cam Young, who frankly has just struggled across the board, especially with putting. His putting has been probably the worst part of his entire game. Obviously, he hits the ball a long way, but match play or in any of these formats, you need to be able to putt. 
That's yeah. If Lucas Glover has a a good out a good standing in this tour championship, he takes that spot for Cameron Young. You know, I I think I've thought about it a little bit more. Now, how's we gone along here? Uh, Especially Cameron Young didn't make the tour championship. He fell just outside that top thirty number. So as long as Lucas Glover plays, you know, doesn't need to play. I don't think well, but he needs to play, you know, decently better than average, right? And kind of like you said, get in that top three, top five finish. I think he could be on this team. But Josh, one thing I want to talk about too with the Ryder Cup. We don't have our teams announced. Obviously, we've been talking about it here, but um, I was looking at the odds. I think the Americans come in. That's a favorite. They're about minus 180, you know, on the sports books as well. It's yeah. really hard to win in opposing soil. And we see uh, the, the Americans trying to do that after they just blew them out at Whistling Straits here a couple of years ago. Uh, what do you think would be the outcome? Your initial thoughts on it? Because I haven't really given much thought to it yet, but I have some fun things to say. Not this time. That's all I got to say. Not this time. Um I think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be that close. We have seen this trend um, kind of taking shape over the last, I don't know, like four to six years where American golf keeps getting better and better and better. And Euro golf is just not there right now. Um, And I'm not sure what the reason is. I actually think there are some bigger issues with how, European golf happens and, and, you know, a lot of your top talent, they're playing on the PGA tour all year. Um, yeah, it's just, no, I don't think it's going to be close. I think a lot of people hope that it's close because they don't want to see a blowout because that just wouldn't be fun to watch for most people. Um, but no, I think team USA is absolutely going to just ruin the European team. They, They are deep. Like that's the problem. Um, you know, everybody knows like, sure, the European team will have three or so of the top five players in the world. But when you look at spots six through 12 on that team, whoever they end up being, and I'm not even sure who they end up being, frankly, I'm not sure anybody knows who those guys will end up being. They will not be half as good as players six through 12 on team USA. So you just got to remember, it's just on it's on European soil. I mean, this makes a huge difference in my mind. You know, I don't think the Americans have won in Europe in a long time. You know, and that's something that's really important. You know, we look at the last Ryder Cup and it was an absolute massacre, right? It was something straight with the Americans, you know, coming up on top. But I don't, and then the, on your depth argument, they don't really necessarily need to be deep. You know, you take a look at the Ryder Cup and how it's functioned. The first few days, not everybody plays. You don't have to play everybody. This isn't this isn't modified basketball, right? Where you, everyone has to play their events, right? You know, it's not until the final day where everybody plays. You know, all twelve play in the singles matches against each other. So I don't think that's a huge deal where you know these guys aren't playing. But if you take a look at the European team, they have a lot of good players: Victor Hovland, Rory McIlroy, Sepp Straka. We talked about Matt Fitzpatrick are all playing well, and we didn't even talk about John Rahm, one of the best players in the world, who necessarily isn't striking the ball the way he would like to but he can turn it on at any minute. Then you have Terrell Hatton, you have Tommy Fleetwood kind of rounding it out. You know, I'm really interested to see this European team kind of how they're constructed. I don't think guys like Ian Poulter or Sergio Garcia will make this team. Those are two guys that have been Ryder Cup mainstays for the last, I want to say 10 years, right? Now they've played really well. I've been watching some kind of old highlights too. Ian Poulter really took the, took the sales out of the American teams a couple different times. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout, Josh. I think this is going to be close. I do think the Americans win. But I don't I don't think it'll be a blowout in the fashion you think it will be. European golf is so hard that Brian Harmon just lapped the field a month ago. Yeah, he did. At the open. Like unless there is a like a monsoon with gale force winds, like European golf is very 
it is not the challenge that it was 25, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and I think modern players have just proven that case time and time again here. Um, so it's because of that that I just don't read too much into that. You know, maybe, you know, maybe there's a maybe there's also an element of like, you know, some of these guys just being burned out at that point. Right. Like they take a few weeks off after the tour championship here and, you know, maybe, you know, who wins is the the team that is bringing the most energy and the most heat uh, come that time. I don't know. So maybe it maybe it will be the home uh, home squad. Uh, any other uh, notes or, or thoughts heading into the tour championship here at East Lake before we uh, look around the rest of the uh, golf world? Uh, not too much for me. I think we're really, really now going to be looking at Lucas Glover, right? And seeing if he can kind of secure that final spot on the Ryder Cup team. Like I said, I think all he needs to do is play, you know, average to 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 above average, right? To get un- into the eye of Zach Johnson. I think Zach really hopes that he does that too, because he would love to bring a, a guy like Lucas Glover. He's been putting the lights out too. So um, anything on your side from Scotty Scheffler, or you just think he's going to cruise? I think if he just plays average golf, he'll win. Um, yeah. Like I said, I... The the big question, and I picked him a couple weeks ago for me, is John Rahm. Um, I, I kind of had that rant earlier about player of the year debate. Um, John Rahm is that guy who's basically like viewed as Scheffler's um counter for player of the year because he's got he's got the major. Um, he has just not looked like the same golfer that we saw in the first quarter to first third of this season, um, this sure. calendar year season. I would like to see, I would like to see, you know, what would I like to see? I'd love to see Scotty Scheffler, Roy McIlroy, and John Rahm battling coming down the back nine. But I would, I actually think the more likely outcome would be that Rahm kind of slips out and we're talking about, you know, the top three guys really being the ones that are in control um, coming into the final round. That includes Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, and, and Roy McIlroy. Yeah, see Lucas Glover, see if he can drop a 65 on Thursday or Friday and put himself <laughs> into that conversation. Yeah. Um, so what else? What do we have uh, happening around the rest of the uh, golf world? Over across the pond, we'll start with the LPGA Tour for the AIG Women's Open. Lilia Vu gets her second major win of the season as she won earlier this year at the Chevron Classic. The 25-year-old American is here to stay, Josh. She's just played incredible on the PGA or LPGA Tour, excuse me. As uh, it's really great to see an American, you know, next to Rose Zhang up there, kind of taking these ranks, two majors in one year, pretty incredible stuff. Dominant, dominant, dominant. That's all there is to it. Over on the Corn Ferry Tour, Chan Kim wins at the Magnet Championship. Uh, the 33-year-old gets his first Corn Ferry Tour win and an emotional win for him as he's grinded on some different tours. So uh, congrats to Chan. Over on the Senior Tour, we had a really, really cool story. Sorry, go ahead. 33 years old. First win on Corn Ferry Tour, not even PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour. Ooh, that's uh, speaking of <laughs> another another hard work paying off story, Ken Duke, who if you're a you know a Twitter now X.com, you know subscriber to the, the Monday Q on on Twitter, you hear a lot about Ken Duke because he plays in a lot of these uh, Monday qualifier events, carries his own bag a lot. As the 54 year old, you know, kind of breaks through and wins at the Shaw Charity Classic on the Senior Tour. That's his first win on the Champions Tour. It was his hundredth start, Josh. He's been grinding out here in this Champions Crazy. Tour to try to get a win. You know, the last time he got a win on uh, the PGA Tour was in 2013 at the Travelers Championship. So ten years later, he wins on the Champions Tour. Just an awesome story for Ken Duke getting it done. Wild, wild, wild. And then the final story we'll go through it quick is is Live Golf. It happened a couple weeks ago at Live at uh, Live Bedminster. Cam Smith won by seven. So uh, just a pretty uh, lapped field by Cameron Smith. I remember watching a little bit of that. 
on that final round Sunday too. Cameron Smith was just, he was up in command most of the tournament. Um, so we'll, we'll put live uh, to bed for a few, a little bit of time. The next tournament is in Chicago the week before the Ryder cup as uh, they chug along with their season. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. We've got one regular event and a little bit of news that broke uh, the other day. How do you read into or the other night? How do you read into uh, Justin Thomas uh, committing to the event? What is it? One week or two weeks before the Ryder cup? Two weeks before the Ryder cup, I believe at the Fortinet. Um, he, he just kind of has to, right? If he wants to play in the signature events, we saw how the PGA tour kind of outlined that you have to be in the top 50 of the FedEx cup standings from the previous year. Josh Thomas is not obviously. And he, you are, or you have to win. He did not. Or, and then the, the next 15 players, 10 of the, which come from the fall PGA tour season, which starts at the Fortinet coming in the top 10 gets you into that century, which can get you into more signature events. So uh, Justin Thomas is going to be playing in this first one. It's going to be interesting to see how he plays and how many of these seven events he's going to end up playing in to try to get in this top 10. Also, people are talking about as a possible Ryder Cup tryout, trying to get himself warm. I don't really see it that way. I kind of seeing it as, as Justin Thomas knows he's not going to be playing and he's going to be playing some other golf here two weeks before they head to Rome. Yeah, I, you know what? I think one of the this exposes one of the major flaws, I think, in this new process for how the field of these designated events uh, the following year decided for as poorly as JT has played. He's still the 26th best golfer in the world. Yes, I know OWGR has its flaws, has its issues, um, but I don't really see how a guy who's the 26th best player in the world, a former number one, could not be included in those designated events. Um, I know he hasn't played well, and I know I've been a harsh critic of him saying he's, he definitely doesn't deserve a Ryder Cup spot, but what a time to have a bad year. What a time to have a, a slump. I mean, this guy has literally been one of the five to seven most consistent golfers of the last decade, right? Yes, for sure. And he's always in that conversation with, with Rory McIlroy, with John Rahm, with all literally the best golfers on the planet. And here we are like talking about him needing to almost go back to Q school. Like this is, this feels a lot like being sent back to Q school after you've like climbed to the very top of the mountain, like multiple times. Yeah. It's definitely a wake up call. It doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't feel right. Um, So what are we saying? Like, you know, if he isn't successful going through this fall process, are we going to see Justin Thomas playing in a bunch of non-elevated events next year, just annihilating the field? Like we get a we get a pissed off version of Justin Thomas who just goes out and just destroys the field in in all of these non-elevated events. Like, is that what the PGA Tour wanted? Like, I, we might get a pissed off jo- Justin Thomas in the Fortinet. He he could lap the field and and get into the, the signature events. I don't. I expect him to to uh, play well enough in whatever fall season events he plans on playing in and get into the century, you know, at the start of the year. Yeah. And that's just a, a very complicated, a very complicated issue that the PGA tour is going to have to wrangle with here in the next year. Um, probably going to be some more changes, but Hey, that is going to do it for this edition of out of bounds. Watch for our full betting lineups on TikTok and YouTube before the tour championship this week. Uh, subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple podcasts. You can follow us on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram as well. And of course, if you're going to get out there and play, you know, the drill, whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, keep on swinging. You've been listening to out of bounds. 
If it's coverage, debate, or discussion of pro and local golf, we'll be talking about it. Be sure to visit the website. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time on Out of Bounds. Out of Bounds.